Today, we're going to look at the, the birth narrative of John the Baptist, and we're going to see the tender mercy of God. So read along in God's Word with me, starting in verse 57 of Luke chapter 1. God's Word says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. All the, and all these things were talked about uh, through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant to us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness, in righteousness, before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the, the story here of Zechariah and Elizabeth and their baby boy, John. And so, God, as we come to, to your word with heavy hearts today, hearts full of questions, hearts full of anxiety, hearts maybe full of fear and doubt, God, would you prove to us today that your mercy really is tender? That you really are a tender father calling us home. That you really are full of steadfast love and faithfulness. That you really are merciful. So God, would you speak to us? Would you bless us? Would you show us Jesus so that we might see the tender mercy of our Savior? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Is God full of tender mercy? The name of this message is the tender mercy of God. And, and that's the question for us today. Is God really full of tender mercy? And it seems like a simple question with a simple answer. Of course, God is full of mercy. 
We just sang a song about his mercy. We, we celebrate his mercy each and every morning. Don't we thank God for his mercy and for his grace? Seems like a simple answer. Of course, God is merciful. But aren't there times in our lives where it's hard to see the tender mercy of God? Aren't there times where it's hard to believe that God really is full of mercy? I mean, when your hopes for your future are just crushed, it might be hard to believe that God is full of mercy. When the physical suffering that you're facing just won't end, it's hard to believe that God is full of mercy. When your family or your marriage is falling apart, it's hard to believe that God is full of tender mercy. When your city is devastated by deadly tornadoes, it's hard to believe that God is full of tender mercy. I mean, we can look back on this week and we might say God is mighty. We might say, yeah, God is holy. We might even say he's sovereign and in control of everything that happens, but merciful? Can we really believe that God is full of tender mercy? When we see so much pain and suffering in the world, can we really believe that? That God is full of tender mercy. Well, we've come to God's word again today, and there's good news for us. We find an elderly couple who have lived with the shame of barrenness for decades, and they've been looking and longing for the mercy of God. We find God's people, Israel, who are living under the oppression of the Roman Empire, and they have spent centuries looking and longing for the mercy of God. And these people are, are left with the question, is God really merciful? Is he full of tender mercy? They're wondering, maybe his mercy is not that amazing. Maybe his mercy has come to an end. Maybe we woke up one morning and it's done. There's no more mercy. Maybe his mercy is not enough. Maybe our sins really are too many and his mercy is not enough to forgive us. Maybe the darkness is too strong and his mercy has stopped shining upon us. We see God comes to his people in need and he shows them that he is indeed full of tender mercy. And so God is coming to us today, Christ Fellowship Church, and and he's showing us through this story that he is indeed full of tender mercy, even still today. You see, the birth of John the Baptist is not just Luke filling in the gaps of the birth story. Luke is drawing our attention here so that we might believe and we might trust that God is really full of tender mercy. And so that's my aim for us today is to convince you and to convince me that God really is indeed full of tender mercy, even now. So let's look to our passage and notice first the mercy of God is amazing. The mercy of God is amazing. So as we turn to our passage, Elizabeth is ready to give birth to our son. If you remember from earlier in chapter one, Elizabeth was barren. She couldn't have children. And so she spent years waiting for a child, and eventually he he is. You see, God sent that angel Gabriel to her husband, Zechariah, when he was serving in the temple. 
and gave them the, the great announcement that they would have a son. And so here she is in verse 57 having that baby boy. Luke tells us that they took the boy to be circumcised on the eighth day, and, and they would sometimes wait until that day to even name the baby, and that's what's happening here. And so all the people, their friends and their relatives are gathered for this joyous occasion, and they're all saying, this baby boy is going to be named Zachariah, just like his dad. Little Zach, that's what we're going to name him. And so Elizabeth says, no, his name's going to be John. And so everybody's wondering, well, nobody, there's not a single person in your family named John, and this is a bit strange. Now, this is what the angel had told them to name the baby. But the crowd turns to Zechariah to make sure, is this really what you want to name this baby? Now, remember, Zechariah can't speak, and he probably can't hear, because the angel had punished him for his lack of faith in that promise. So they're making hand motions to John, is this really the name you want to give this baby? And he's like, get me something to write on. And he writes, his name is John. And then Luke tells us immediately, Zechariah was healed and he began to bless and to praise God. Now, why did God do this for these people? What motivated him to give this barren woman a child? What motivated him to give Zechariah a son who would prepare the way for the coming Messiah? Well, Luke tells us, look at verse 58. It says, the Lord had shown great mercy to Elizabeth. It was God's great mercy that motivated him. That word great literally means magnify. Literally, you could say the Lord had magnified his mercy to her. You see, God's mercy is not ordinary. It's not plain and simple. It's not reserved. God's mercy is great. It's magnified upon us. It's amazing. Paul in Ephesians 2, 4 would say that God is rich in mercy. Peter in chapter 1, verse 3 would say, but it's because of this magnified, this great mercy that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You know, there's a lot of great things in this world, right? There's the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's the Great Lakes. There's the Great Barrier Reef, the Great Zimbabwe. I looked that up, found that this uh, this week. There's even the Great Wall Chinese restaurant on Nashville Road. There's a lot of great things out there, right? None of them are greater than the mercy of the Lord. Nothing is more amazing than the mercy that God would show to us because it's a mercy that God purchased by Christ our Savior. You see, God doesn't have mercy because He's just a nice guy and He likes to be nice. He, he doesn't have mercy because he's a pushover and just does what we, what we want him to do. God has rich, amazing mercy for us because Jesus lived and died and rose again so that his mercy might be purchased for us by his blood. You see, the riches of God's mercy are ours in Christ Jesus. Just as God magnified his mercy to Elizabeth, so now in Christ God is magnifying his mercy to us. That very same mercy is ours, all because of Jesus. And if God's mercy really is amazing, then we should treasure the mercy of God. Luke tells us that after the birth of John, everybody was talking about it. I mean, a, an old barren woman gives birth to a son. The father sees a vision from God about it. They give him a name that is an unusual name for them. 
Everybody is talking about this. And then look at verse 66. Luke says, they laid them up in their hearts. They laid these things up in their heart. They stored these things. They treasured these things. Brothers and sisters, God is inviting us today to store His mercy in our hearts, to treasure His amazing mercy in our hearts. I mean, there's so many things in this world that can have our hearts, but does the mercy of Jesus have yours? Why don't we just take some time this week to think of all the ways that God has magnified His mercy to us in Christ Jesus. Even in your suffering, even in your pain, even in the uncertainty of what might happen, God has been merciful to us in Jesus. He has been merciful to give us life and to keep us alive. He's been merciful to give us new life in Jesus for those who have believed in Him. He's been merciful to be your high priest and who always lives to intercede for us. He's been merciful to care for us, to protect us, to keep us, to love us. Let's fill our hearts with the mercy of Jesus this week, even in the midst of so much suffering and pain. So brothers and sisters, the the tender mercy of God is amazing. So let's treasure His mercy together. Second thing that we see is, is that the mercy of God is unending. The mercy of God is unending. So Luke continues in verse 67, and he gives us another beautiful song of praise, like Mary's that we heard last week. I mean, this song is amazing. Almost every word in this song is coming from a passage in the Old Testament. If you're bored this week, take some time and get a Bible out and cross-reference. Every single phrase is connected to somewhere in the Old Testament. It's beautiful. But notice how Zechariah begins by praising God for his great salvation. In verse 68, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. This is Exodus language. In verse 69, he says, He's raised up a horn of salvation for us. That was the symbol of a great horn of an ox that was a symbol of strength and victory for God's people. In verse 71, he says he praises God for delivering them from their enemies. And in verse 72, he praises God for showing mercy to his people. You see, it's clear that the birth of John the Baptist means that the Messiah is coming. And for that, Zechariah praises God. But notice how Zechariah ties all of this to the faithfulness of God. Here's the things that he is praising God for doing in these things. He says God spoke of the horn raised up in David's line. God promised to show mercy to his people. God swore an oath to bless the children of Abraham. And he remembered the covenant that he made. So God speaks. God promises. God swears an oath. God remembers. And he does all of this because he is faithful. Zechariah is praising God for his faithful mercy. If you can remember all the way back to the beginning of the year, we began by preaching through the book of Lamentations. Pastor Lance led us through that. It's a book of mourning for the destruction of Jerusalem in the the country of Israel. But tucked away right in that book of mourning are these two verses. I'm sure they're familiar to you. 
Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, if God's faithfulness to His promise will never end, then that means His mercy towards us will never end. You see, when Luke uses the word mercy, he has in mind that that amazing Hebrew word, kesed. You don't have to know Hebrew, but that's one good word to know. It's an amazing word. It can be translated kindness or grace, compassion or steadfast love, even mercy as Luke calls it here in chapter 1. You see, mercy is not just something that God does every once in a while. It's who God is. God is completely wholly committed to showering his people with steadfast love and mercy. And because God is merciful, there will never be a day when God will get tired of showing us mercy. There's never going to be a morning that we wake up and we are not covered in the faithful love and mercy of God. Listen to how Pastor Ray Ortland talks about the faithful love and mercy of God. I've quoted this before, but it's just too good not to, not to think about it again. He says, if there's a day out there when God stops covering us with His grace, then the gospel is not good news. If God says He loves us now, but is also saying to us, if you ever fill in the blank, then God doesn't really love us. But the gospel is clear. God really does love us today because God really will love us tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. We will always be stepping into one more moment after another of the love of God forever. That's the faithful mercy of God. But how do we know that's really true? But Jesus is how we know that's really true. Jesus came to prove the faithfulness of God. He came to prove that God's mercies will never end. Because He lived and died and rose again, God's mercy will never end. It will never give up on us. His mercy will never walk out on us. His mercy will never get tired of us. His mercy will never run dry. It will never fall short. It will never end. If you're struggling to trust the mercy of God, then look to Jesus today. He's the proof that God is faithful now and forever will be faithful. He's the proof that God's mercy for us will never end. And so if God's mercy will never end, then we should serve Him. Notice what Zechariah says in verse 74 and 75. Says God has done all this so that we might serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. If God's mercy follows us all the days of our lives, like Psalm 23 says, then we should spend all the days of our lives serving Him. We offer Him our lives in holiness and in righteousness. Are we going to be perfect? No, but that's, that's the gift that we're giving. I mean, what do you give a king who offers you mercies that will never end, mercies that are new every morning? You, you give him your life. You see, Jesus doesn't shower us with unending mercy so we can keep living selfish, sinful lives. He does it so we might serve him. 
So why not say this prayer each and every morning that we wake up? Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Jesus, I'm yours. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Today, Jesus, I'm yours. Use me. Take my life. It's yours today. Brothers and sisters, the tender mercy of God is unending. So let's serve our merciful King together. Number three, the mercy of God is forgiving. So Zechariah's song continues, and he turns his attention to his son in verse 76. He says, his child will be called the prophet of the Most High, and he's going to go before the Lord to prepare his ways. This is a reference to the prophets Micah and Isaiah. You see, they spoke of a day when God would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. This prophet would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to make the people ready. He's coming to make the way ready for the promised king. But notice what John will be getting the people ready for. You might think, well, Israel is living under oppression from the Roman Empire in their own land. They're exiles in their own land. And so what they need is a mighty warrior king who's going to ride in on a white horse with a, with a sword and a strong fist and he's going to kick all these nasty Romans out of our land. That's what we need. But the truth is there's a greater enemy for the people of Israel than Rome. There's a greater oppression. And you see, Israel's greatest problem is their sin. And John is coming to prepare God's people for the forgiveness of their sins. It's no wonder that John's ministry would be all about repentance. John is preparing the way for people to be forgiven. Look at verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now, why would God forgive his people? I mean, have you read the Bible? God's people are a mess. I mean, we're a mess too, right? Why would God want to forgive sinful, rebellious people like them and like us? Luke tells us in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God. Why would God want to forgive us? It's because of his tender mercy. You see, God loves to forgive us. No one is twisting God's arm to make him forgive us. He doesn't forgive us wishing he didn't have to. He doesn't get tired of of hearing us just beg for mercy. Okay, fine, I'm going to forgive you. You see, God doesn't forgive us like, like we go to the dentist, right? You know, we don't want to go, but we've got to go to the dentist, right? Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's not what God is like. God loves to forgive us. His tender mercy loves to forgive us. And it's in that tender mercy that Jesus came for us. You see, God's tender mercy, mercy sent Jesus to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life and to die on a cross. I wonder, do you know the mercy of Jesus today? Maybe you're here and you've never, never been forgiven of your sins. Maybe you feel like God could never forgive you. You might say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. There's no way God could forgive me. Well, you're right. I don't know what you've done, but you're wrong. There is a way that God can forgive you. You see, Jesus shed his blood so that God might forgive you. You see, Jesus, by his perfect life and death, provided a way for you to be forgiven of all your sins. 
It is tender mercy is calling you to repent of your sins and to believe in the Lord Jesus. If you would trust Jesus today for the very first time, you will be forgiven and you will know the love of God that forgives. You can trust Jesus right now. It doesn't matter if you're 9 or 90. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've never received Jesus, you can do that right now. You can trust Christ. You can believe that He died and rose again for you, and you can be forgiven forever. God's tender mercy is calling you to His forgiveness. So come to Jesus today and be forgiven. Now, for those of us who have been forgiven, God is offering us today that same tender mercy. I mean, it could be easy to believe, yeah, God showed me mercy when I first believed and He forgave me. But it can be hard to believe that God will continue to show us mercy again and again. What if we struggle with that same sin again and again? Is He still going to be merciful? What if I just still struggle with anxiety and fear and worry over and over and over? Is He still going to be merciful? What if I struggle to love him with all my heart? What if I struggle to love other people? You know, it can be easy to think that God operates with kind of a low-level frustration with his people. It can be easy to think, man, I love, God loves those people. He loves us. But he's probably just frustrated with us all the time. Brothers and sisters, if God offered us his tender mercy in Jesus, when we were at our worst, lost and dead in our sins, how will he not also offer us his tender mercy? Now as his beloved children. You see, because of Jesus, God loves to love us. He loves to be merciful to us. Does God hate our sin? You better believe he hates our sin. But does God love to forgive our sin? You better believe it. Does God want to shower us with tender mercy? He wants us to believe that today. Do we keep on sinning so we keep on getting more mercy? Of course not. But when we do sin, there is full and free forgiveness for us because of the tender mercy of God. So brothers and sisters, God's tender mercy is forgiving. So let's lean into Jesus and let's rest in his forgiveness. So the mercy of God is amazing, it's unending, it's forgiving, and lastly, the mercy of God is shining. So Zechariah's song ends with a picture of hope. The tender mercies of God will lead God to forgive us, yes, but they will also lead God to draw near to us. Look at verse 78. Zechariah says, The sunrise shall visit us from on high. This is a reference to Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. And in verse 79, Zechariah says, This sunrise will bring light to those in darkness, those who are under the shadow of death. This is a reference from Isaiah 9, verse 2. You see, Zechariah knows the coming of the Messiah will be like the dawn. There will be light and life to all when he comes. This is what we sing in one of my favorite Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. This is partly referencing this verse. Zechariah knows the coming of Jesus will bring light to those 
in darkness, those under the shadow of death. You know, this past week, it's been easy to see how strong the darkness really is. I mean, the darkness and destruction of the storm that we face here is just unbelievable. So much of our city has been destroyed. So much of our state has been destroyed. So many people without homes. So many people without businesses. 16 people in Bowling Green were killed by these tornadoes. A family of seven and a family of five. They're they're gone. The darkness is so strong. And it's not just in tragedies like this. The darkness rages in so many ways in our lives. The darkness of addiction is so strong. The the darkness of of civil war in, in Africa is so strong. The darkness of depression is strong. The the darkness of a a worldwide pandemic is strong. The darkness of of broken marriages is strong. The darkness of racism and prejudice is strong. The darkness of fear and anxiety is strong. The, The darkness of death. It seems like it always wins, right? Do you know how much light it takes to fight back the darkness. Even the tiniest light will break through the dark. Darkness cannot stop the light. It can be completely pitch black, no light at all, but the tiniest of light will shine and the darkness will not win. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's John 1, 4, and 5. The darkness cannot overcome it. You see, the sunrise, it shall visit us from on high. Those who sit in darkness, those under the shadow of death, he will give us light. Jesus is the fountain of light, and in his light do we see light. Jesus is the light of the nations. He's the true light. He is the light of the world. He's the light of life. Jesus is Zechariah's sunrise that will visit us from on high. You see, Christmas is not just a cute little story about a baby and some barn animals to tell our kids when we tuck them in at night. Christmas is all about God's war against the darkness. God's war against our greatest enemy, death. Christmas is the declaration that darkness will not have the final word. That death will not have the final word. But that Jesus will have the final word. And he's come to shine the light of his mercy upon us. See, brothers and sisters, it does not matter how dark the night may get. The sunrise is coming. Jesus will always shine the light of his love and his mercy upon us. I mean, if you feel like you're facing the darkest of nights right now, beloved, Jesus is coming for you. The light of his face is coming for you. 
The mercy of Jesus is shining down upon you. Find comfort today that Jesus' mercy will never stop shining upon you. Maybe you don't see it. Maybe you don't feel it. But trust that it's true. He has given us light and life, and he wants us to trust him even when we can't see it. So brothers and sisters, the tender mercy of God is shining upon us. Let's look to Jesus and let's trust in his light. And you see, it's when we trust in Jesus that he is then going to guide us to his perfect peace. Notice in verse 79, the last line of Zechariah's song, that that light that Jesus is going to give us will guide our feet into the way of peace. You see, this is why the angels, when Jesus was born, declared peace on earth. This is why the night before Jesus was to be killed, he told his followers, my peace I give to you and my peace I leave, leave with you. This is why when the light of the world was slain by the powers of darkness, he made peace by the blood of his cross. And this is why when he stood with his friends again on the other side of death, he said to them, peace be with you. The tender mercy of God has sent Jesus so that we might walk in his perfect peace. It's the peace that surpasses understanding. It's the peace that calmed the raging storm. It's the peace that reconciles sinners to God. It's the peace that bonds us together as, as brothers and sisters. It's the peace that will reign forever and ever when Christ comes again. You see, the truth is we are not promised tomorrow. Not a single person in this room that is promised tomorrow. We're not promised riches and worldly success. We're not promised a long, prosperous, blessed lives, but we are promised peace. God's tender mercy wants us to walk in the way of peace. So friends, the mercy of God is amazing. It's unending. It's forgiving. It's shining even in the darkest of nights. So let's spend the coming days, let's, let's spend the coming weeks, the coming years, the rest of our lives that the Lord has us on earth, let's spend it resting in the tender mercy of God. And may Jesus guide us to his perfect peace as we wait for his tender mercy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. When we face a week like we face this week, when we struggle, when we sin over and over, when we feel like our world is crashing down upon us, God, it can be hard to believe that you're merciful. It can be hard to believe that you're not angry with us, that you're not done with us, that you're not just frustrated with us all the time. That's what we feel at times, Lord. But God, thank you for your word because it reminds us that that's, that's not you at all. You're merciful, and nobody is twisting your arm to be merciful. And your mercies are tender. 
They're gentle. They're loving. They're kind. And sometimes, God, that's hard to see. When we face the pain and the suffering that we face, it's hard to see that your mercy is tender. But again, God, thank you for your word today. Because it teaches us that you are. And it calls us to trust that your mercy is amazing. That it really is unending. That every day, every moment, we will step into another moment of your mercy and your love forever. Because of Jesus. That your mercy really does love to forgive us. God, would you draw those today who have never been forgiven of their sins, that they might be forgiven today for the first time. And for those of us who have trusted in Christ, might we come and, and be freed and forgiven of those things that we think that you don't want to forgive us of. And God, for those of us in darkness, God, we're, we're all facing some level of darkness in our lives. Would you help us to believe that there is light shining for us? The face of Jesus is shining mercy upon us, even when we can't see it. So Lord, would you help us to trust that mercy so that we might walk in the ways of peace, so that we might treasure your mercy, so that we might serve you, so that we might rest as forgiven children, and so that we might love and serve Jesus. God, would you show us, would you continue to show us your tender mercies? We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.